Ladies and gentlemen, the ACC has finally officially dropped the 2023 schedule for your Florida State Seminoles football team, and Dave and I are here to talk about it on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. Dave, let's ride. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today in the stream yard, I got Mr. David Wise. Davey, what's going on, my guy? Drake, there is snow on the ground outside. I am in the heat of winter right now. It's uh, kind of an opposite, but it is true, and it is true, Drake, that the schedule is out, which means real football to talk about. It almost feels like Maybe we're not seven months away from kickoff, right? Why would you say there's seven months away from kickoff? <laughs> but before we get into that, folks, we want to thank our towel sponsor for today's show, and that is our friends over at FanDuel, our new sponsor for actually the Locked On Symbols podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. But Dave, let's get started with the schedule. Yeah. Now, we're going to do this probably four games per segment. So we're going to start all obviously with the first four games of the season, go to the next four and the last four. Does that sound good to you? Yep. All I right. Do. So, so obviously we already know we have the LSU opener in Orlando over at Camping World Stadium. I think yep. most of us actually are going to be at that game. Unfortunately, I can't go because I have a wedding that weekend. And folks, please don't make your friends get married during Labor Day weekend. I'm just kidding. Kind of. But not. then you got the Southern Miss Golden Eagles that follow up. They've come down to Tallahassee. That's a game where... We've talked about a little bit that unless you have basically a Frank Gore Jr., you know, having like a uh, a Dalvin Cook-like game along with the bowl game moment. Exactly what he did in the bowl game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what we do with the bowl game. Then you should be fine with that. But now this is where people I kind of think are kind of either confused or kind of upset, but I don't see it as that upsetting. You play Boston College, you go, but you play them early up up in Boston, so it's not going to be as cold. But then you end off the month of September with Clemson before bye. So I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about having LSU and Clemson in the same in, in the first month of the season? Because obviously they're your two toughest opponents to have that early. Okay, so let me start here. Um, I need to address a more global question. I think, which is, people kind of freaked out when the schedule dropped, and yes, this is one of the issues people are mad about, like LSU and Clemson within a month of each other. Those those games aren't that close together that's not that's that's not a big deal that we get lsu and clemson within the same month like if it was the same weeks i would understand but it feels like we're in a good spot right now where now our fans are having to and when i say our fans i mean florida state fans not necessarily fans of our podcast are are just looking for something to be mad about because right now there's not a lot to be mad about and this schedule uh, I hate to tell you, the schedule doesn't not do us any favors. And the first qu- first third of the schedule doesn't not do us any favors. I actually like that before Clemson, we play, I mean, so right after LSU, we play Southern Miss. That's good. You know, just everybody relax after that game. We're going to play Southern Miss. We're going to win that game. And then we go to Boston College. I, I know it's an away game, and we're going to play Clemson away after that. That, that kind of sucks. But 
that's going to happen. You're going to play away games in college football. Coming off that Boston College game, that's that's kind of a good thing. Like I expect Boston College to be a pretty easy win. So not that you're going to be practicing for Clemson or anything, you know, when you're prepping for Boston College. But, you know, that's that's about as easy, I think, of a lead into Clemson as you're going to get. And and here's the kicker. You want to get Clemson as early as possible. Um, Clemson is starting fresh with Cade Klubnick at quarterback. Um, they're going to lose a lot of guys to the draft as they have the last few years. And you saw that that kind of take a little bit of an effect finally on Clemson's performance on the field. So I want to catch them early when they haven't figured everything out yet because they have enough talent there that when they figure it out, they're going to be harder to beat. That's not when we get them. Catching them early, I think, is the key point to this. And I think you're right about that. Because not only K Klubnik, he K Klubnik could be a very good quarterback, but maybe. he last maybe, but last year he played like any, I think, 18-year-old true freshman would, you know, being thrown in the power five level at a top tier at the top tier conference. And to me, that's kind of what the issue was. But not only that, they also have to acclimate and learn the new scheme, or even if he's if Dabo is allowing a new scheme to be implemented by their new offensive coordinator, and that's Garrett Riley. Else you're saying they lost a lot on defense. They're keep they're bringing back some key pieces, but not like Brian Bercy. He's gone. I think KJ Henry. I think the kid is also gone as well. And it's to me and offensively, like besides Will Shipley, is there anyone on that team except for maybe Burning Stool, a tight end that you're actually kind of not not, not like worried about? Maybe, but I don't think it's you're like oh that's a kid that we have to we have to mark up actually for each and every single time that they got the ball in offense. So to me, with this Clemson game. I understand people are upset that, you know, you travel, you only have one home game in the first month. In my personal opinion, if you look at the schedule, like the only people that should be mad about the home games are local businesses because that does suck because most of the home games that we have this year aren't that great. But also, you can't blame the ACC for scheduling Clemson the first month because you already had three, you already had two games already scheduled, and that's the LSU game. Sorry, three. No, four. The LSU game, the Southern Miss game. North Alabama and Florida. Those four games were scheduled. We only had eight scheduled more games basically for that. So it's that's kind of a problem too there. But to me, with Clemson being at the end of the month, then you have the bye week, and that's kind of where I think it's actually a very – it's not the best lead in the schedule, but the schedule on the back half, it's a whole lot easier. And we'll get to that in the next two segments. Yeah, last thing I'll say is what I really like about the placement of the Clemson game is – I, I do think we, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to talk through this again now that there's an actual schedule. But I mentioned that I think we're going to beat LSU. I'm not really I mean, I'm I'm worried about that game like any like anybody else is. But I feel good about that game. If in the off chance LSU, which, by the way, is now higher than us in the transfer portal rankings because they've been crushing it, too. That's going to be a good team if they happen to beat us. And, you know, when that that can happen, I hate to tell you guys. Uh, The Clemson game gives us a little bit of a chance for redemption, I think, in the national landscape. Like, in other words, we said, if you were to go out and lose to LSU week one, could you rebound from that and still make the playoffs? Well, if you come out of that Clemson game three and one with a win over what I'm imagining will be a top five ranked Clemson team in that game, uh, we'll probably be ranked top 15. They'll be top five. That'll shoot us right back into the top 10 of the rankings if we beat Clemson. And I think it puts the season right on schedule for a push to win the ACC and enter the playoff. Exactly. And also people forget that in my personal opinion, when it comes to people rating these teams, you get penalized a lot more the later you lose to, right. If you lose, people forget what you do in the month of September, because a lot of people are like, Oh, either a it's really early and B it's 
like, oh, they're still trying to find themselves and learn themselves and see actually what kind of team this is. So if you end up 3-1 out of that month, I mean, that's like beating LSU or, or Clemson, That's you're going to have at least one win against a potential top 10 opponent. Because I think with, FS, with FSU, we'll be ranked around maybe 11, 12, maybe even 10. LSU, I wouldn't be surprised if it's ranked if they're ranked ahead of us simply, simply because they're an SEC team. And if we win that game, top 10 win, beat Clemson, that's going to be a top 10 win too. So to me, listen, we either be 3-1, 4-0, as long as we don't lose to both of them. And even if we lose to both of them, we have the back half of the schedule to basically not, we have a little room for error, but it's not ideal. You're actually able to move the move forward. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, no, if we lose both those games, we're not going to the playoff or anything like that. But I, I, there's no chance yeah. we're losing both those games. No, like, I, I don't think so. I think you take one of the two. I think this team has shown that they're actually able to, you know, keep up with top tier teams after I, this past season. Anyways, Drake, I, I feel, I feel very good about as good about the first third of this schedule as you could expect. I, I just, I don't mind getting two top five teams, the two toughest teams on our schedule out of the way early, because you're right. What you do early matters most. You split those games and, and you're looking at, I mean, you're, you're going to be looking at favored in every game the rest of the way that Florida State plays, unless something catastrophic were to happen. So, you know, you're going to be in the driver's seat. You're going to, you're going to control your own destiny to the ACC championship and the college football playoff. And that's, that is uncharted territory for this team over the last several years. So this is that is something fans should be very happy about, especially because we're we're going to get to the obviously the rest of these games. But like I said, you feel very good about them. Control your business first third of the season. That's what's going to matter. That is what's going to matter. You know, also is also a fun time day, by the way, speaking of that. What's that? As our friends over at FanDuel, folks, this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sportsman partner because we're locked on. They're number one in the sportsbook in America. America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You get up to three, one, two, three, tres, thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, folks. My personal favorite bet for the Kansas City Chiefs game is going to be the, oh, sorry, the Kansas Chiefs, well, as you can tell us how the thing's going to win, is the Chiefs at plus one and a half against the Eagles. I do like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a great quarterback. But, you know, most, most importantly, we need to bring on Dave, the fade Dave segment of the week of the millennium of the year. Dave, Chiefs plus one and a half, Eagles match one and a half. Really quickly here, please let the folks know where are you riding so they can go away from you and bet the other side. You know, Drake, it's not very often that you find a complete fraud in the Super Bowl, but that's what the Eagles are. They suck. Jalen Hurts sucks. That's all going to get exposed within the next, let's call it 24 months. Call it two years. You're going to figure that. He's not even going to be in the league. He'll be in like Canada or something. Um, Yeah, Chiefs are going to win by 30. That, it, this is not going to be a fun game to watch. You're going to be able to shut it off by halftime and, you know, get a nice early night of sleep. Uh, I don't know, maybe bake some cookies, something like that. Okay, uh, I'm not going to respond to that because that, that res- does not require a response. So jo- join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn because, folks, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, Dave, we're back. We're rock and rolling here on LockedOn. Assembles and one thing each and every single one of you for making us your first listen each and every single day. And now, Dave... Let's go back. Let's go to the the middle the middle four or the you know because I know middle late is kind of still sensitive to a lot of people around here. We have the bye week after Clemson, but then we have Virginia Tech coming down to Tallahassee, Syracuse coming down to Tallahassee. 
Doke coming down. Sorry, Duke coming down to Tallahassee. Duke going to Doke. Yep, and you have Wake with the away game over at Wake. So you have three straight home games after the bye. Granted, they're not great teams, but it seems to me here this is where you can probably, hopefully, if you are three and one, you head into the bye week, you know, off the Clemson loss or three and one off the Clemson win, you can feel like you can rally off one, two, three, four straight wins right there, right? Yeah. Um. This this does set very nicely up for the control your destiny part of the schedule because, like I said. Leave that first three games three and one. I mean, obviously you want to be four and zero, oh, but if you leave that three games three and one, or those four games three and one, you feel very good about your chances of being seven and one after this stretch. Those first three games are home games: Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, all at home. Um, I like that we get Duke at home because I mean, a lot of people are thinking Duke's going to be good. Again, I need to see more than just one year of Mike Elko making Duke look completely not crappy to buy in that they're going to be a competitive team for us to play. I, I, I know, I know there's reasons to think they might be better than crappy. Um, I got to see more to believe it, but anyways, that week game, that's not scary anymore. Um, I bless you, Drake on mute. Wow. Nice. Um, that that's just not a scary game anymore. You take Sam Hartman, uh, take the heart man out of that team. And yeah, that's, that's not going to look pretty. If Sam Hartman had gone down with an injury last year, that team would have won like one game. Uh, like truthfully, that defense is scary bad. So yeah, I'm sure we're gonna hear from our, our friends Cam and all those uh, all those other fans over at Wake about how wrong I am. But that's not gonna happen. We're gonna we're gonna crush that team. So each of those games individually, there's not like a huge fear of loss, which means there's room for error which means there's room for growth, I think, especially for the younger players during that part of the schedule, with three, of the, especially with three of those games being at home. Really, really, really like the way that sets up to end the first eight games of the season, seven and one. No, I completely agree with that, mainly because, one, Virginia Tech is a very bad football team. Yeah. Running, I feel like they have a really good head coach in Brent Pry, but you saw that their quarterback play, whether it be Grant Wells or I think I forgot the other kid's name, it was just all over the place, kind of like their accuracy. It wasn't a good team that, or a good player helming the offense. Defensively, they were decent. Um, shout out to Chris Marr, former linebackers coach here, now defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Now, Syracuse, Garrett Strader is still there, there, but Sean Tucker is gone. But more importantly, the former offensive coordinator that actually made, made Garrett Strader look good is gone and folks that's important because he was the offensive coordinator for virginia the year before where brent armstrong was in my personal opinion a top three quarterback for the conference and now he's over at end state which thankfully we don't play end state this year and we also don't play louisville this year two teams that quite frankly could be dark horses or sleeper picks to actually be in the ac conference hall game instead of clemson or ourselves that's a hot pick now duke i uh, i know it's the duke i know it's the they're the basketball school, but but Mike Elko is a really damn good football football coach. I do think he gets the most out of his players. I think, like I said before, this is the game where it's going to be closer than a lot of people want to be simply because they are Duke. And I know Dave is going to be doing the smirking thing. I'm not even looking at him. I'm not going to look at the schedule. It is a good team. I'm not saying we lose this game. I'm just simply saying don't overlook them because, quite frankly, Mike Nervell and company, when they overlook someone in the past, it hasn't done a good job for them. And then lastly, with Wake Forest, Wake, Sam Hartman is gone. However, I do think Mitch Griffiths, the backup quarterback they have there, and actually might be the starter, has been there for three years. 
Now, we saw him command the offense against VMI. I forget the other team. Granted, yes, it is VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. I didn't know that they actually had a football team until I saw that game. But he knows how to run the offense. And quite frankly, I think Dave Clawson likes him a little bit more than Sam Hartman, in my personal opinion. But I still think we beat Wake by 14, 21 points because that defense did lose some key pieces, especially Rondo Bothroyd, defensive end, that basically was baptizing, I think, Darius Washington against us, that that's the team that, Quite frankly, we should be 4-0 in this mill stretch before we actually have to, have to travel over to Pitt and then the Miami game, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Yeah, uh, if Dave Clawson likes any quarterback on that roster better than Tim Hartman, I have some prime real estate in the middle of the Arctic Ocean to sell him. Um, but yeah, th- these you, are... You never, you never wanted a winter home with some, you know, some igloos, some penguins out your front door? Come on now, that'd be dope. I'm not going to respond. I'll, 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 I'll mute myself on that one. Not going to respond to that or or any implication that Wake has anything remotely near the talent at quarterback that they had at Sam Hartman right now. It, it ain't there. That that game is... Sam Hartman might have been the most valuable player in all of college football last year in the sense that if you take him off of that Wake team, a Wake team that, if you go look at the advanced stats last year, was 34th. Um, that 34th was solely attributable to Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry. Take Sam Hartman off that team, and that team shoots down into the 80s, which is right where Virginia Tech kind of is, like in that range. Like, again, I don't I don't think Wake's going to be necessarily that bad, but that's that's not a game that worries me anymore. So, yeah, look at look at Duke. Uh, Duke last year, Drake, where do you think they ranked uh, in terms of advanced stats overall as a team? Probably like 75, maybe 81. No, they were 44, but like that's 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 oh. their best case scenario. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not here to tell you Duke's one of the worst teams in the in the ACC or anything like that. What I am here to tell you is look what happened to Michigan State this year. Um, they're coming off a huge, huge, huge season under a new head coach. Um, and what did they do? They win five and seven. Difference though. Not- a lot no no it is a massive difference because remember Michigan State took in like 15 transfers and they all left and that was the big drop off. They didn't have a Kenneth Walker the third that could mass you know the entire offensive of the offense. Maybe maybe or or it was a fluke. What happened year 1? Um was, that was year 2. Or excuse me. The prior year. It could be a fluke. That that's an equally reasonable probability and Duke could be a fluke. That's all I'm saying. It could be a fluke. Well, Duke does rhyme with fluke, so that kind of would track with your analysis. That's a better analysis than what you just said. I think Duke and fluke, they rhyme. That'd be better analysis. But, Dave, you know what isn't a fluke? What's that? The delicious, nutritious bars from our friends over at Built.com, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat or the calories? Then you got to get a Built Bar. As you know, Dave is the cookie dough connoisseur. Your boy is the Cherry Barcia Casanova. As always, folks, there. Are, if you don't like the two flavors, there are 18 other delicious flavors to choose from because, folks, they're delicious, they're nutritious, there are only 100 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping, whopping 17 grams of protein. So head over and over to Built.com today. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get a 15% bonus off your first order. Or more importantly, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a Built Bar because you can pick up either a four-bar box of Cookies and cream, double chocolate, or one of Dave's favorites, get the puffs because the puffs are delicious. Please, folks, built.com from locked on L O C K E D O N. Let's get healthy today. 
All right, Dave. I'm gonna hand the ball off to you now as is tradition. Yep. Into the show. Let's right. Let's let's take us home with this last four. Pitt. We're, we're at Pitt. We have Miami coming in town. Then we have North Alabama Lions, aka go go UNA, traveling to Tallahassee. And then we end up in the swamp with Florida. But Dave, please yeah. take us away. Yeah, I I I don't think it mad. I think a lot of people wish we had gotten Miami earlier. That seems to be the feedback that I saw most from our fans online. Um, I I don't think it matters. I think it's funny because the Florida and the Miami games are opposites to me in that respect, which is to say, I think the longer you wait to play Florida, the more things they can and will get worked out. I think the longer you give Miami to try to figure things out, the more they might, you know, self-destruct. Look at what happened to Miami over this last season. Um, they were bad both halves of the season, but the first half they went three and three. The second half they went two and four. They didn't get better. They they arguably and in reality got worse. I don't care when we play them. I'm happy to let Mario Cristobal keep either refusing to make adjustments or make the wrong adjustments because he's not a very good head coach. And that is, I don't know what four people left are sitting at home, like believing otherwise. I mean, it has to be the four people that graduated from the university of Miami and are fans of that school. Um, but it, it that that's just such a non-scary game that now we're through the control your destiny part of the schedule. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, these are not a lot of these are not cupcake games necessarily towards the end of the schedule, although arguably Miami might be by the time we play them. Um, Pitt is going to probably be another tough game. That program has now gotten itself to where it doesn't necessarily have to do like a complete full rebuild. I don't think. Oh, I think they're worse than Duke, but that's my personal opinion. I'll be a good team. They, they might be, but like they're not like a Virginia Tech is what I'm getting at. Like, okay. They, they've definitely obviously up their football game the last few years. And it's, I still think, I still think that's going to be another, another game that you should win by more than a touchdown. So like, it's not like it's concerning or anything, but coming off that control your destiny part, you get to do it again with this last four, obviously, because if you're seven and one going into pit, you're going to be favored in that game by 17, 14 points. And that's not an unreasonable outcome to think that that's going to happen. And you go to Miami. Um, no, Miami comes to us. You always got to say that anyways, too, because remember, we own Doak South. Remember, right. we, we are we are the landlords for the Hard Rock Stadium down here in Miami Gardens. doesn't matter where the game's played. Uh, they still have the same crappy coaches there, same players that aren't being coached there. So that's that's not a worrisome game to me. Um, the You know, it's funny because between the Miami and Florida game, you could ask, the same, you can ask me the same question on two different days, and I might give you a different answer as to which of those two teams I think will be worse because I do think Florida will get better um, just because their coaching appears to be somewhat appreciably better than Miami's, um, but that's not saying a lot. So I, I think you have a better than coin flip chance of getting out of these four games with 4-0 record and that putting you at 11-1. and Um this is the part of the schedule which, for ACC championship game purposes, I think won't matter as much because you have obviously have two out of conference games. But if you were to say, let's say we were eleven and zero going into Florida and just completely ate crap and you know shot ourselves in the foot and lost that game, right? Um, eleven and one, 
you get a chance for redemption because you're going to go play Clemson again in the AC championship game for the second time. And if that means you've already beaten them once. So you beat Clemson twice. I think even though that's a late, that would be a late loss. I think you can overcome that and still be right in the playoff picture uh, because they're going to want to put an ACC champion in that game, uh, a team that's beat a probably top 10 Clemson twice and otherwise would have beaten LSU and would have beaten Miami. And that's, I mean, that's an impressive resume. And so I think there's, there's margin for error um, depending on what you do the first part of the schedule with that last quadrant. And I think it looks scarier on paper because of what these teams used to be or have been recently like Pitt, like Miami, like Florida, those three teams are not good now. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget like it's, I think this is the, the definition of name syndrome with these teams. Maybe you know it's uh, a brand confusion. I think probably would be a way to kind of also put it too. We see Pittsburgh. Like, listen, Pitt's not a good team. I know they just landed Phil Dracovic, but we all know the main reason why basically Jordan Addison left was that Mark Whipple didn't want to throw the ball that. Sorry, Pat Narduzzi went out and said that he didn't want to throw the ball that much. He complained about throwing the ball too much, and he had Kenny Pickett, who was a first-round quarterback, and Jordan Addison, the more receiver in the country on his team. And so, and also people forget. Defensively, they lose players like a Kalajikansi, who will actually be playing on Sundays in the NFL. The next game that you have against, against Miami, I think this is the year where we see a lot of the freshmen play. Like you know how we basically we saw Mike Norvell had a lot of the young kids play. We were the youngest roster in the country per stars and everything else. I think Miami's going to go through the same thing. The problem with that is when you're playing a lot with youth, you're also playing with a lot more mistakes. It's similar to when an attorney hires an associate attorney. You're going to take a lot of lumps when it comes to you know work and everything else. But also, it's kind of like the it's, it's a learning curve that's going to happen for that team. They in North Alabama, they're showing up for a check. But like that's yeah. they're showing up for a check, and that's going to basically. I'm not even going to talk more about that game. And then with Florida, they don't have a quarterback. I don't give a damn who Graham Mertz is. I that kid is not good. I'm sorry. He was he was he was good in 2020, and that was the year that 2020. I even I was like, oh, Graham Mertz, that kid's going to be a stud. Two years later, that kid's not a stud. That kid's not a very good quarterback, and offensively. That's what we want to ask. And also on the offensive line, they have lost like three starters. Two of them are going to be NFL. Two more of them are going to the transfer portal. So, so they lost. So they're going to have a fully new offensive line. Now, granted, they they landed the number one tackle, I think, in the transfer portal, I think, from Baylor. But overall, these are four teams that, quite frankly, I'm not scared of. So I think most importantly, like you're saying, that first four-game stretch, it is important to start off, you know, 3-1 at the bare minimum. But if you're 4-0, the way it sets up right now, I don't think you can complain because the AC right now isn't that good of a Power Five conference. We've complained about all the coastal, the coastal getting good, getting the um, all the good teams. We have a very coastal heavy uh, section this year, and we should be able to run through it with no excuses. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, I think that we will with the team that we have and the coaching that we have. Yeah. Again, yeah. now that we've done this exercise, I just don't understand anybody being upset about this schedule. Like, what would you change? And and in fact, comment this, please. Specifically, what would you change about this schedule? Would you like would, would you want to flip Virginia Tech with Miami? Um, I, maybe. I, I don't know if I want to play. I know it would be separated by a bye week, but I don't know that I'd rather play Clemson and Miami back to back. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like for the first time in years and you conspiracy theorists out there are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. It was like for the first time in years, the ACC did not completely try to screw us with the schedule. 
And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that Florida State is being projected to be on the main national stage. And when we are, that makes the ACC more money. And that's good for business, baby. Um, yeah, that's that that's something the ACC would do. But guess what? When we're the benefactors of that, and all we have to do to be the benefactors of that is just not suck, in which we yeah. don't know. Yeah, the ACC wants college game day in that week four matchup. And the best way to get college game day at FSU and also Clemson is to have them as early as possible. Now, granted, it's not a perfect schedule. I can I can agree with that. It's not perfect. Would I like Miami earlier? Sure. Me, personally, I like Miami at the end of October, October 31st. So you flip Wake. I don't like how Miami is right next to Florida because the two rivalry games almost back-to-back. Kind of back-to-back because North Alabama. North Alabama. But simply put, this is a good. This is a pretty decent schedule. And this is a lot more favorable to us than in recent years past. Now, granted, the bar is in hell when it came to that. But to me, I think overall, you can complain about the home games because the home games particularly aren't that great. If you're a local business owner, I kind of also agree. You don't have a home. You don't have a true like fun home game until October 7th because no one wants to really go to see Southern Miss Golden Eagles. But other than that, I really don't think you can find too much to complain about. And honestly, folks, we hope you don't have too much to complain about about today's episode. Dave, please take us home for today. Yes, thank you everybody for listening and making Locked on Seminoles your first listen each and every day. We're going to be coming at you consist- more, a little more consistently each day. We're sorry that we've had to miss some episodes with work and personal life as you probably experience yourself. But again, thank you for listening. For the podcast, find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, all the good places for the YouTube Give the video a like if you would, please. It literally takes two seconds, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, also, if you could subscribe to the channel, also takes two seconds. Hit the little uh, notification, hit the little ding, the little bell, turn on your notifications, and little banner or something that takes pointing to. Love doing that. Um, it'll let you know when our episodes drop. And here's the important part for me: leave me a comment, leave us a comment. What I want to know from you is: we already know we're going to play Miami, Florida, LSU, Clemson. Like we know that that those four games. The, the other eight games, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most difficult, how difficult do you think those other eight games are based on where they're placed in the schedule, like collectively? Because it doesn't feel like it's any more than a three to me. I want, I, want, I want to know what you think. And folks, as always, this was Drake, and that was Dave, and we'll see you all next time on Lockdown Settings. Take care, everybody. Go Knowles.